Now iPhone 7's waterproof, will people stop buying rice? Why don't they pay journalists properly for working advice? News just in about the mum who was offered free space cake in last episode. Alice from Hampshire's mum. Alice says, I thought I'd give you an update. Mm -hmm. After dinner and several large glasses of claret last night, my mother tried some of the aforementioned space cake. She ended up giggling for a full five minutes non-stop because, quote... The bench made a fart noise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that was only five minutes. That sounds like a good hour long laugh. And then she slurringly suggested we all go find the foxes at the bottom of the garden before being steered towards bed and a glass of water where she had to wait for the room to stop spinning until she could sleep. Mm. She's feeling a little delicate the day after, but it was a hilarious end to an evening for her children and bemused partner. Well, I'm glad it went well. And thank you for the correspondence. We never recommended that she mix it with wine. No. No, that's, a, that's not unusually a great, a great combo. No. The spinniness is normally a result of the combination of alcohol and uh, cake. What I want to know is if she took our suggestions of going to buy a bottle of fake piss. And, <laughs> and if so, did she take it to work the next day? Yes, did she prepare for the random drug test? Exactly. Because uh, now it remains to be seen as to whether she's going to get rumbled by work. Exactly. Which was the whole point of the question. Yes. Not just whether her mother wants to get off her tits, but whether she can get away with it with her legal office's uh, random drug testing. Yeah. Well, that is not a responsibility. We made that clear at the time. (laughs) Very clear. So, can't touch us. Also apropos of answering this episode 338, Jim in San Francisco says, I believe that the show that we know in Britain as The Great British Bake Off in America is called The Great British Baking Show because Pillsbury owns the trademark on the term Bake Off. Ah. Seems crazy, I know, says Jim. But if you Google Pillsbury Bake Off, you'll see that on the Pillsbury website, Bake Off has a registered trademark symbol after it. It certainly does. What are they doing with it? Uh, I get, well, we're, we're not in the country of the United States of America where Pillsbury are running Bake Off promotions, but mm. it appears that for many years, yeah, they've had a sort of annual event called the Pillsbury Bake Off and they've trademarked Bake Off, but only in the USA. You would think they would be pleased by the association of people who can mix and create their own baked creations in Pillsbury where it's ready-made. I think, generally speaking, copyright lawyers aren't pleased by associations when someone takes make, their trademark. It makes them seem more wholesome. <laughs> it tends not to be their reaction. In some other countries, the show is called The Master Baker, which is the kind of innuendo they love <laughs> on Great British Bake Off, so I'm really surprised they didn't go for that. Yeah. In Finland, it's called The Whole of Finland Bakes. Which is kind Aww, of a clunky... T- I know Finland's nice. population is small, but mm. like they can't all be on, <laughs> on the show. But that is the same formulation as it is in Norway and Sweden. But in Denmark, it's called the Great Bake Fight, which I think is quite a good Great name. Bake Fight's good, it's yeah. Dramatic. Although it's dramatic. Yeah, but it's too dramatic for the BBC version, which is right. you know quite home counties and, and pleasant. Well, then, it? Master Baker, they should have gone for that. Uh, here is a question that may have been prompted by a controversy from the Great British Bake Ooh. Off this season. Uh, it it's is re- always such a controversial show, isn't it? Oh, yes. Bingate last year. <laughs> Custard time. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was the fact that they one of the challenges in the first episode of this series was they had to make Jaffa Cakes. Mm. Uh, right. that, that caused lots of people on Twitter to start talking about Jaffa Cakes. Oh, um, and, and what was the controversy? They didn't know which way up they no, were. No, no, it's just more the fact that you can make Jaffa Cakes rather than them being a branded thing and that is what this question is saying oh go uh, on morgan says helen answer me this why is it that anyone can make jaffa cakes and call them jaffa cakes when we all know that the real jaffa cakes are made by mcvitties 
Mm-hmm. Morgan, one day I'll introduce you to the M&S ones and you will eat your words. No, the, the uh, Jaffa cakes. <laughs> so, how is it that all producers of the confection are allowed to use what I assume is a company name? Well, you assume that, but McVitie's never trademarked the term Jaffa cakes. McVitie's have been producing Jaffa cakes since 1927, and although there were trademarks around before, the Trademarks Act didn't kick in until 1938, and therefore I think that is when trademarking things became a lot more common, and I think by then there were enough imitators that it was basically pointless hmm. but of course it wasn't like even if now they managed to get a trademark on Jaffa Cakes I that would be worth a lot of money it's just presumably they can't I don't think they've lost out by the imitators I think they are still considered the definitive Jaffa yeah. Cake yeah it's like the Heinz baked beans isn't it it doesn't matter yeah. Every, other people can make baked beans and you're yeah. still going to compare it to sure you are. the brand leader now we often get asked about the Jaffa Cakes is it a cake don't, is it oh, a biscuit trial no it. no but this is important Ollie we covered it yeah we've deliberately never spoken of it again in the trial it was determined, oh. for VAT reasons... This Jaffa is the 1991 court case of McVitie's versus HM Customs and Excise. ...that Jaffa Cakes are a cake, but apparently you cannot trademark cakes. So if oh. they if they had paid the VAT and agreed that it is a biscuit, then they could have trademarked it. And this fun fact related to that trial, I think you're going to enjoy, Ollie. Uh-huh. Uh, so after that trial, where they didn't want to pay VAT and therefore proved that Jaffa Cakes are a cake, not a biscuit, because there's VAT on biscuits and not cakes, Procter & Gamble argued that in the UK... Pringles should be considered cakes. <laughs> because only 42% of a Pringle is made of potato and it is fashioned from a potato dough. Right. Uh, and they won in the High Court and Pringles were very briefly considered a cake. Um, and so then pot- potato cakes? Not anymore because uh, very shortly afterwards the decision was appealed and the company had to stop paying VAT. It's a bit of a worry to think only 42% of a Pringle is potato. What the fuck else is it cut with? Actually, that doesn't worry me. I just assumed it was... Card. Weird. Starchy. Manufactured powder. Yeah. yeah, skin flakes. Dust. Sure. Here's a question from Richard, previously from Rayleigh, now from Canudan. He says, Ever since the MILF song came out by the Duchess, Fergie not of Cambridge... Do you understand? Well, it was mm. Duchess of York, Fergie... Sarah Ferguson. Yes. So she had nothing to do with Cambridge. But is this... I don't even get what he's doing. So he's talking about Fergie... Who, the Black Eyed Peas? Of the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, she right. has a song called, called MILF. Yes, but it stands for Mums I'd Like to Follow. And at the end, there's a picture of her Instagram feed, even though the song is basically tits and ass of people who are also parents. Okay, thanks for explaining. Happy to. Uh, you're going to have to do more of that. I'd like to be your conduit into the matters of the day. He says, Now I keep hearing the term fleek as it is in the song. Girls on fleek and hair and nails on fleek. I'm getting married in November. Is this still lyrics? I don't even know anymore. And my wife-to-be was told by her maid of honour that her makeup needs to be on fleek. Sack that maid of honour. I'm confused as to what fleek really means. Uh, So Helen, answer me this. What is fleek? And did the Duchess invent this word like Fergalicious? Well, even though the word Fergalicious did establish Fergie as one of the premier neologists of her time... Mm. I thought we could say Bellens for a second. Uh, she is late to the Fleek bandwagon. Right, yeah, explain the Fleek. I'm sorry, I right. just explain what MILF is. This surprises me, Ollie, because it's usually me that avoids memes as much as possible. And you're like, well, it's obviously that meme. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kid with the dentals, <laughs> the, the cat that done the thing, um, the cat that played the violin. <laughs> you know, the cat that played the violin. But it's, it's to do with your cultural <laughs> reference, isn't it? So, like, I don't go seeking those things out they come Nor to do. me yeah same so what you're basically saying is this fleek open thing, your door granddad and let uh, <laughs> fleek come in <laughs> i don't know why i've never well, seen the word fleek the term in its modern usage is really on fleek and that means that something is on point or really excellent 
Eyebrows on Fleek was the original context, and it was a Vine posted on the 21st of June 2014 by Peaches Monroe, Monroe with two E's, it's actually the alias of a Chicago teenager, Kayla Newman. In the video, she's sitting in a car um, talking to the camera, and she says that her eyebrows are on Fleek because her eyebrows are so superlative. And did she just make that up? Um... She said in an interview... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that original journalism has been done on this. Well, there were, uh, that Vine has had nearly 50 million views right. and it's been reconstituted elsewhere. So the view count is probably a lot higher than that. She said, it just came to me out of the blue. I never heard of the word and nobody else had heard of the word. I just said it and I guess that's what came out. That's about it. However, she also said in a second Vine that she had been saying the word on flick, as in just, you know, flicking... Um, Which eyebrows do do once they've been sculpted for makeup purposes. So her spontaneous saying of flick in a way that people interpreted as fleek spawned the term on fleek and many people replicated it. And to be honest, it sounded to me very kind of awkward and dated within a couple of weeks. But uh, fleek is a word that had been around before, not on fleek, which I think is analogous to the term on point which also meant excellent, which was a military term because it meant the person in the lead position in a military operation. But that's the um, worst position. Why would that be a good thing? That's the person who gets shot first. They're not going to put that in a sign-up to join the military ad, are they? <laughs> I mean, they've got to try and make it sound like glory. And then there are some Urban Dictionary um, entries where, like, not that many over the last um, 15 years or so, where it's always in quite a complimentary, nice context. That surprises me because the word Fergalicious... I understand immediately what she's done there. She's taken her name, she's put it into the word delicious. You sort of know, like bootylicious, that means a good thing, right? It's an easy portmanteau to make. Exactly. It's positive, that much is clear. Yeah. But fleek, as it's new Mm. to me, and you ask me what is that, that could be a rank and putrid smell. It could. Oh, it's fleek in here. Do you know what I mean? One of the other uses it has had, this very kind of 2009, was a portmanteau for fake gleeks, glee fans. And so I think it was fake gleeks who went in to ruin glee fandom for the genuine ones. Right. Fleeks. Wow. I read this long post as well from someone saying, look at all these uh, these instances of fleek in 19th century books. But I think they <laughs> were actually sleek, spelt with the long S. Yeah. So it's just a nonsense word, but that's where words come from. It's Peaches Monroe is the Edward Lear of her time. <laughs> Still not going to hear the Fergie song to hear it in context, though. Not interested. It is not a good song. I didn't think it would be. I mean, I'm basing that on past form. It goes, I've got that MILF money. You see, because it's like a pun on milk money and there's a lot of milk theming in the video. I do see. But it's also about MILFs. Yeah. Like Fergie and her other sexy friends. Sounds very clever. I mean, we've done a footnote on it here, but really Mm. we could record hours on this masterpiece. I think probably that will happen in the decades to come. Something to look forward to, isn't it, in the 22nd century? Not so much fleek as bleak. If you've got a question, email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 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 Here's a question from Ryan in Melbourne who says My choir, the Melbourne Gay and Lesbian Chorus, has a concert coming up in October. Our PR manager gave us flyers to put up to promote the show. Old school. Including a QR code. (laughs) Presumably linking to the site where you can buy tickets. I've not checked because I don't actually know how to use them really. Ollie, answer me this. Have you ever actually scanned a QR code instead of taking out your phone and just Googling whatever keywords are also on the poster (laughs) or pamphlet? So why do advertisers keep whacking them on things? I have no idea either what to do with a QR code. 
I always thought, just ride this fad out, like Blu-ray. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should clarify for people who are listening that actually don't know what a QR code is. It's those square things. It's like a square barcode. You see it bars. on ads at bus stops. It's a bit like a really messed up crossword grid. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It would be really useful if that the technology to read them was integral into all mobile phones, like the way that, uh, you know, Bluetooth or something is, wouldn't it? And it is in Asia. Uh, not ah. iPhones, but Android handsets in Asia come generally with a camera that when you take the picture immediately opens its own integrated app and then translates it for you into a website. Yeah. And you're right, that's what essentially in the West Apple needed to do so that all the other Android handset makers did the same. And then that would be a slightly more useful thing because it would be quicker. It is quick, isn't it? The, it would be quick. It would be quicker. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is um, that at the moment you need to download a QR reading app to be able to read yeah. the QR code. This is the problem podcasts have. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, at least the podcasts app on iOS is actually called Podcasts. Yes. Uh, no one really knows, still years on, what the big brand for QR reading is. You Google have to go in the app store and literally search for QR reader and then a few of them pop up and it's not clear which one's the best. Google it's- makes one. Uh, I'd used to be called Google Goggles. So it's not like they don't exist, but you do have to, like you say, dig one out. What does QR stand for, please? Uh, quick response code. Okay. Uh, originated in Japan. Still popular, still big in Asia, as I say. They're still all over the place. I just uh, ignore yeah. them. Okay, so the reason I think that they are still all over the place is I suspect advertisers like them because it allows them to track exactly mm. the way in which the customer has come to their website. And even mm. where. Exactly. So from the particular QR code that they scan, theoretically, they could have a different one at every bus stop. Yeah. And every, so they could say, right, people in Balham really like our product and have wanted to find out more. But I just think that's true to an extent, but it is relevant to the tiny population of people that have QR apps on their phone and then would... So actually, what you're measuring is the amount of idiots that are interested. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? People like care about following up on an advert in that way. And I just think you're therefore measuring odd people rather than seeing whether well, your brand has traction outside of following through directly on a link. It's a good market, odd people. Odd people <laughs> with the commitment to scan your code. That is a very devoted uh, populace. And, and it, it isn't breaking through in the West. So the, oh, okay. the last survey on this mm. in America was in 2013, but still recent enough, I think, to look at. And 2% of smartphone users in 2013 scanned a QR code every day. I was amazed it was that day. high. That is good. But then I thought, mm. what's the percentage of people in America that work in marketing? It's probably about 2%. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> I think they're just checking each other's campaigns. If I made a patchwork quilt that was square and all black and white, <laughs> yeah. could that be scanned? Yes. Some people must have QR tattoos. I, yeah, they, and that would be cool. I wonder what you... Well, I don't know. What would you have written on it? Life story? Or like in case, you know, your body got washed up and they could just scan the QR code and find out who you were? No, I think you just essentially become a Pokemon Go character, don't you, if you've got a QR code tattooed on you? That is a life that quite a lot of people would go for. <laughs> it's a life that a lot of people have actually adopted. See, that's some genuinely innovative tech. Well, it's, it's related, isn't it, though? It is uh, AR. It is uh, where the real world and the digital world meet. Sort of like what QR was trying to do, but Pokemon's just made it more fun. Well, they made it more cute than black and white squares, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, uh, it is now time to take an intermission where we listen to a little bit of Answer Me This from the bygone era. And if we had a QR code for this section of the show, Then no one would access it. (laughs) (laughs) But which episode would it be pointing us to with our smartphones that had integrated capability to do so? Uh, I think maybe episode 110. Oh, and remind us what was so great about that episode that I'd want to buy it. You're being a twat about your cat. Excellent. (laughs) 
Let's listen to it and uh, then remember that if we want to buy it, we go to where? Answermethisstore.com. That's right. Or Amazon or iTunes, but we'd rather you bought it from us, thanks. It is a bit more difficult to put on your iPad or iPhone. But yes, that's true. If diligent. you are buying it for your iOS, then fair you enough, get it from iTunes. You have to around with desktop button. Yeah. App, you know, that yeah. That's fine, we're cool with that. That kind of retro tech behaviour, yeah. we had to put it onto <laughs> another thing and then upload it to the thing. <laughs> but anyway, you can work it out because you're intelligent people. That's right, you've got this far. I've got a special voice for my cat, which uh, I'm going to premiere here now and answer me this, just for you. The first time you're yeah. going to hear it on the airwaves. Cats, you're going to enjoy this. Actually, I need a sentence. Like, what could I conceivably say to my cat, Coco? Uh, Coco, why am I demeaning myself in this way just to converse with you when you don't even understand human language? Brilliant. Yeah, no, that's the kind of thing I'd say. Okay, so I'd say like, uh, Coco, why am I demeaning myself in this way when you don't even understand human language? That's my voice with the cat. <laughs> I was doing that voice with the cat and I was saying, oh, you special girl, you special girl. <laughs> my, my girlfriend came in and she said, do you love the cat more than you love me? Uh-oh. Um, well, it had to come oh. sometime. And I made the mistake of saying, as a joke, uh, I love you about the same. No joke. And then, uh, oh, dear. And then she said, right, so you, you love the cat as much as you love me. <laughs> and, I, and I was like... You've for only some... had the cat a few months. You've had the girlfriend for, what, nearly six years? Well, it was just a joke. And, I, and of course, because I'm the kind of person I am, I then had to defend my point of view. <laughs> Rather than just say it was a joke. So I was like, When Harry Met Sally is a really good film, and so is Schindler's List. You know, but they're different. You know, one's a five-star rom-com, one's a five-star historical story. You're a five-star girlfriend, Coco's a five-star cat. Didn't work out for me. Let's take a question off our phone line now. Oh, yes, please. Yes, and if you want to leave a question on our phone line, then you can dial the following number. Or you can Skype answer me this. Let's hear who's been in touch today. Joe from Watford. Hello, Molly. Answer me this. We all know that the emergency services obviously existed a long time before the telephone did, but how did one summon the emergency services before a number like 999? Was it actually just a case of running through the streets shouting or what actually happened? I think in a lot of cases it was pretty similar to running shouting through the streets. Well, that's basically what people do now anyway. My my mum had a fire in her flat last week. Whoa! Is she alright? She's okay. Um, The flat okay? The flat's... It's okay. I mean, for insurance purposes, I should emphasise, it's completely destroyed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The smoke damage is crippling. Um, But no, it was was smoke damage everywhere. But it was... That's rough. She had a papier-mâché sculpture that fell on top of her hob. Oh, God. And caught fire very quickly and rapidly. That is not the best place for papier-mâché art to live. Sorry, no, it Karen. wasn't. It wasn't. But it, it, you wouldn't have expected it to suddenly implode on top of the hob. So anyway, it caught fire to the kitchen. Oh. And what she did, I mean, I wasn't there, but I've come to understand what she did, is, is basically run out onto her balcony and shout at the bloke that was on the ground floor, fire, there's a fire, call the fire. Now, she could have picked up the phone and called 999 herself. But actually, your instinct when that happens is to think, ah! But before phones, they had various different systems. They had public alarms and whistles. They had people on firewatch. Oh, yeah. And remember, they had like police doing foot patrol. So you were probably closer to a policeman than you are now. Yeah, I don't suppose either of you happen to know the gap between police phone boxes existing and then people getting phones in their homes, because presumably a policeman could phone... You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like in Doctor Who, that yeah. was a real thing, right? Yeah, well, actually, now you saying that has just reminded me, in the village where I live, it doesn't look like the TARDIS, it's not remotely cool, but yeah. in an old 19th century cottage, you can see that it used to be the police station, like as in not the proper local police station, but the police desk where a police bobby would sit for the village. 
And when he wasn't there, or she, but I'm guessing, you know, up to the 80s, probably he, there'd be a window open, and you, if you saw a crime, could lean in and pick up the phone and dial just the police. That's the only number on it. Right. Wow. And they've left the window open, kind of symbolically, to show that's what it used to be. Aww. And if you look in, you can still see the wires where there used to be the phone. That's wow. amazing. And that, like I say, was discontinued in the 80s. It was quite recent, mm. really. But the police, apparently in Britain didn't really want to have phones installed in the police station. They thought it'd be embarrassing to have the public calling them. But the problem before we got 999 was that calls were connected by operators Mm. and they were dealing with all the calls. And so they didn't necessarily know that yours was an emergency call. So if there was a backlog, like you Uh. weren't at the front of a queue or anything and you might call and just be screaming and they wouldn't know that that was an emergency or whether that was just your hobby. They wouldn't know whether you were calling for the fire brigade or the police or an ambulance or whatever. They didn't know where they were either because uh, all the fire stations at the time were decentralised. But also if you didn't say where you were, then the operator, who might also not be very near where you were, wouldn't know which fire brigade was closest to you. So then uh, in 1927, uh, the general public in London were advised that if they had an emergency, they should dial zero. And then when the operator answered, you should say the service you required... Um, So that was the system and it was just getting more and more clogged. And then in 1935, there was a fire in which five people died. And in the inquiry afterwards, uh, they said, you've got to sort this situation out and make it better. So that's when they started working on 999. And my understanding is, though, that other countries don't have the thing where you have an operator pick up and you specify which service you require. Actually, there is a separate number for the police, the ambulance, the fire. Then you've got more to remember at a time of crisis. Yeah, no, I think our system works. You know what's going to be bad is when they replace that with an automated phone system where it's like... To reach the police, press one. But there's like a minute long recorded message before that where you're like, hurry up, yeah. hurry up, well, and please visit our website, <laughs> http <laughs> colon slash. Well, you were a student of English language, Helen. Um, fire makes sense, right? Fire is a quick uh, word which, which tells you that there's danger, but ambulance is a long word. Police is even, you know, a little bit more difficult to say. Why haven't we condensed it down to like cops? Help. help. Yeah. Medic. Help, help, help is words. the one that I would I would reach for there. But, also a lot well, but yeah, but when you're on the phone, it's like, what service do you want? Ambulance is yeah. like slow to say. So yeah, it'd be easier just to say pain. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> but if you say dead, you could need any of them. Could be an undertaker, yeah, couldn't it? Yeah, that's true, yeah. So you see the problems, Martin. Fuzz. But then they might think you wanted a fuss, and they'd be like, all right then, who's a pretty boy? Who's a pretty boy? <laughs> I think that's that normally what I want when I phone emergency <laughs> services. It is, and, and you're wasting a lot of public money and time. It's really helping my mental health, though. Please send us an email, we love to keep in touch. If you send us an email, we'll like you very much. It's podcast at googlemail.com That's podcast at googlemail.com So please send us an email, or we won't know you're there. And if we like your email, we'll read it out on air. Before we continue with the questions, just a quick word from our sponsors for this episode, uh, Fail Better Games and their excellent game, Fallen London. Fallen London. So, Helen, I know that they've previously sponsored an episode of The Illusionist as well, many they, episodes. Yeah, they're good friends of podcasts. They are. And keen listeners to podcasts. So They're fun. So explain what Fallen London is. Fallen London is a really huge text adventure game. It's basically like having... 10 massive novels about a weird version of Victorian London that has been stolen and stashed underground and you start the game in jail. Okay, when you say weird version, is it a bit like Russell Brandy? It's a bit like steampunk. Yeah. Victorians were quirky anyway. They were, yeah. yeah. But in this version, you can marry a squid person if you want. Oh, Which I think in Victorian London, they were more 
conservative about relationships. So you start off the game in prison, but once you've busted out of prison, Mm -hmm. then you can basically do what you want. You can just roam around this version of underground London having adventures or running a business if having fun is more fun for you if it's like work. So it's all text. You pay with text. It's a text adventure game. Okay. Well, it's not a text adventure game like when you do like Get Lamp you've been eaten by a grid it's more like a click clicking di- through different options so oh, yeah. it's, it's quite quick to play and you can like choose what you look like can't you and choose um you can be a squid person i think yeah you can play on an app now but it's best if you go to failbettergames.com slash answers yes they've got special offers for you answer me this listeners that is right you get special little things that you can play in the game the game is free to play but you can get little extras if you pay for them but if you're if you sign up at failbettergames.com slash answers then you get some of those for free and apparently this works as well if you did sign up through the illusionist you can still get free stuff through this way oh excellent yay generous because they're very generous the fallen london people they are it sounds sounds good they want you to fuck squid people and they want you to have free things and free play okay so to be clear if you're into victoriana gaming and squid yeah um Mm. you don't have to be into squid not just one of the things yeah yeah and or squid fallenlondon.com slash answers hi helen and ollie this is vin from telford common shropshire i watch a lot of films and obviously every film has the sort of disclaimer at on the closing credits that this film didn't harm any animals. Um, I just wondered, was there ever a time in the history of cinema where animals were quite frequently harmed? I really hope not, but I'm just curious. Well, are you going to dash Vin's hopes? It sounds a little bit like you've been harmed, Vin, just by calling and leaving that question. You sound like a very delicate flower. I think people from Telford are very sensitive. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, uh, yes, there was a time when animals were harmed in the making of films, and that is why uh, the American Humane Association became involved in filmmaking. So let me talk you through that process. Um, In 1903, Thomas Edison, yes, the Thomas Edison, uh, made a short film electrocuting an elephant. It wasn't him. What? It's a myth. Uh, he did, he did electrocute lots of other animals, and so when oh, someone so, fine. so when someone electrocuted an element, everyone thought it was Thomas, Thomas Edison, but it wasn't. Him. You're questioning these numerous sources online. This was Thomas yeah. Edison personally making. The I film. can't remember who it was. Um, okay, it, I'll take it, Martin debunking it. Anyway, the film pretty much does what it says on the tin. The film exists because I've seen it. It does exist, yeah. Which I suppose the point was that even seeing a film back then, 1903, you know that was a an entertainment in itself, wasn't it? Like VR is now. So the ideas were pretty straightforward. The story goes, I don't think I'm going to debunk this as well, Martin. Go on. uh, That Topsy the Elephant uh, from Coney Island's Luna Park uh, was deemed a threat to the visiting crowds and that's why she'd been sentenced to death. Oh, so it's like an execution. Yeah. And people used to go and watch those in public, so it wasn't that far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what they did. They they filmed it. But uh, if you then look into the decades after that, of course, there are many, many films, predominantly cowboy and Indians type films, uh, where horses were injured all the time to generate mm. the, the scenes of required, yeah. uh, you know, battle accuracy. It's dangerous being um, a horse in film. It, it is. I mean, until I think about the 1930s, there was actually a tripwire um, called The Running W, which was used routinely in cowboy and Indians movies to show horses going falling over Um, but in so doing they would routinely kill three or four horses in the making of each film Um, and and this reached its apex actually in a film called Jesse James in 1939 um, in which Henry Fonda rides a horse off a tall cliff and into a river 
And to achieve that then, um, they literally filmed it on a cliff with a river below because mm-hmm. there was no filling in the special effects afterwards. And to film it, they essentially had to throw a horse out of a chute oh. down a hill and then get the stuntman to run behind and jump on the horse and do the stunt. Oh, my God. Um, so <laughs> and, and did the stuntman or the horse survive? Uh, the stuntman did. Two horses didn't. Oh, God. Um, and the negative publicity around that. Similar, actually, fast-forwarding about 70 years, uh, to the negative publicity around the HBO series Luck with Dustin Hoffman. You might remember that. They killed a load of horses doing uh, racetrack scenes. I've accidentally. Didn't, didn't but... even know that series existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched the first one thinking, oh, I'd like this. My girlfriend likes horses. I like Dustin Hoffman. Not very good. Oh. Uh, but anyway, HBO cancelled that because of the negative publicity of, of horse death. You uh, would think they could have preempted that. I mean, every year with the Grand National... The issue of horse death not being very popular comes up. Well, actually, that was their argument when they made luck, was they said, we've made a 24-part series, or whatever it was, 12-part series, set around a horse track. And we've uh, only killed 15 horses. And we, yeah, we've only killed three thoroughbreds. And actually, in a season, at a normal horse track, one that wasn't being simulated for film and TV, you'd lose more than that. The American Humane Association are supposed to stop it happening, uh, but even though they have been involved since that Jesse James film, there have been numerous slip-ups. So even like really high-profile films, so Life of Pi... The, the tiger. Um, no spoilers. But, it's not a real tiger, is it? Uh, it is at one point, and it, is almost, it? it almost drowned. Oh. There was a tiger in a water tank in Taiwan, and is, it almost drowned. Is that why they did the rest through digitimation? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think there's one shot they needed a close-up, and mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't good for the tiger to be in that surreal oh. uh, environment. Oh, I can't see that. Um, and The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey in 2011. Did they hit the dragon? This is quite interesting. Um, there were 27 animals, reportedly, um, not, to be fair, particularly spectacular animals like sheep and stuff like that. But there were 27 animals that reportedly perished from dehydration or oh, exhaustion no. or drowning. So and, those were like totally avoidable deaths. It wasn't like stunt deaths. And, and so as a result of that, the American Humane Association, which did have their disclaimer on the film, got into trouble. Because, of course, the reality is all they're doing is certifying that a risk assessment's been done. They're not actually there on set every day. Mm. So they changed it. So if you watch The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey... In the film now, at the end, if you make it to the credits of a 15-hour film, (laughs) um, it says that the uh, Humane Association monitored all of the significant animal action. No animals were harmed during such action. In other words, sorry, we weren't there watching the dehydrating sheep. They died between takes. That's fine. That's really shit, isn't it? This is terrible news for Vin. Yeah, Vin's going to take this really bad. Even with the disclaimer. That is no guarantee. Yeah. Even if there aren't any animals in the film, you can't guarantee that between takes to relax, they weren't kicking them to death. Where do you go to find all the answer that you are looking for? I will tell you the secret. Very good, very good. Where do you go to find the answer? Answer me this podcast.com. Where do you go to find the answer? Answer me this podcast.com. You will find your answer here. Answer me this podcast.com. Here's a question from Claire who says After spending a glorious 10 days on the Dalmatian coast of Croatia for the wedding of my boyfriend's cousin, Mm. I had to spool that back through my head a few times to make sense of it. Draw a little spider diagram. Yeah. I am baffled by a glaring omission from the cultural experience. Okay. What could this be? What cultural experience are you expect in Croatia that you're not receiving? Something to do with Balkan War? Maybe a trip in a larder. You don't really get to do that anymore. Although we saw wildlife of all sorts, not a single spotty Dalmatian dog did we see. Mm. Ooh. Have they become extinct because of the ominous sounding Dalmatian ham that appears on every Croatian <laughs> menu? Oh, no. <laughs> Assuming this is not the case, then Helen, answer me this. Why are... 
Dalmatians called Dalmatians, if they're not to be seen, natively roaming free amidst the olive and fig groves of the Dalmatian coast. And as a side note, why do Dalmatians have spots? Whoa! Just chucking in a second question at the end there. Which do you want first? Spots, please. Okay. They are born white, and then they develop spots when they're a few weeks old. They're a reverse Michael Jackson. There are some white Dalmatians that never do develop them. but I did know that. But the thing is... The most prized Dalmatians are the spotty ones, the black and white spotty ones. So the ones that have brown spots or lemon spots, as it's called, which is obviously very beige. Um, The dog shows are like, that's bullshit, disqualified. So I think there's been selective breeding to encourage the spots because that is a Dalmatian's USP. There are no other dogs or probably not even animals that have a similar type of spottage. You say that, I mean, I'm not a dog person, but if I had a Dalmatian that didn't have spots, I'd relish people stopping me and saying, oh, what kind of dog's that like? Mm, spots of, all fall off, do yeah. they? Oh, spots come off in the wash. No, 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 You'd no, really no. relish that, that is what would happen. No, no. They wouldn't recognise it was Dalmatian. Exactly, no, I just, re- what I was going for is the casual kind of, what kind of dog's that like, like you just have to ask. And then I'd say it was a Dalmatian. Well, actually. give over. Say, yeah, there's no spots. And I'd be like, yeah, it's a Dalmatian with no spots. It's really cool. So I don't know. I think you're kind of cool missing dog. out what's great about Dalmatians. They'll be like, oh, well, so it doesn't have the spots, but it does have the higher likelihood of blindness and hip problems. I- I'm with you in terms of if I relate it to that weird cat with no fur. That's missing everything that's cool about cats. But I also wonder whether Dalmatians were bred for spots, not just because of that kind of kennel club eugenics but also because they were working dogs so they are often called firehouse dogs because they have an affinity with horses so they were good ones to have around carts that were horse drawn and they were bred to run under carts and they're a bit more visible aren't they Mm. in the shadows of a cart they're black and white so i think maybe some of that was uh was relevant okay so that's why dimensions have spots and and uh it means that sometimes they were known as plum pudding dogs or spotted dick dogs I mean, the dicks probably are spotted because, like, even the inside of their mouths have got spots on, but I think it's just because they look like a pudding with raisins in it. Sorry, say that again. The inside of a Dalmatian's mouth has spots on. Yeah, spotty dogs. I did not know even, that. Yeah. That's interesting. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Right. That's why Dalmatians have spots. Yeah. And that's why they're called uh, spotted dick dogs. <laughs> Which is, you've got a bonus answer there. You didn't yeah. even ask. What's it got to do with Croatia? Well, Dalmatian breeding, I think, was really popularised in Britain, but... There is like this strong suggestion that the Brits got them from Croatia and that they appeared a lot in Croatian paintings and writings of like 17th, 18th century. And they used to be sentry dogs on the Dalmatian border because they were good kind of military dogs, good guard dogs. Are they good guard dogs? Good, good watchdogs. Yeah. Yeah. Good working dog, the Dalmatian. However, they almost certainly did not originate in Dalmatia because they appear in like. 13th century Spanish frescoes and ancient Greek paintings and Egyptian drawings from like 3,000 years ago. Yeah, I mean, but isn't that like, I'm guessing the Scotty dog isn't from Scotland. It's just popularised that name because they're popular in Scotland. I mean, isn't that the case with all dog names that are related to places really? Because they're all more ancient than that. And also if you're a Brit and you had this spotty dog in... I don't know, 1800 or something. You might want it to sound exotic and yes, foreign. Yes, exactly. And Croatia then was not a package holiday station. Here's a question from Ryan and Joe, who say, we don't understand the monarchy or how it works. Right. That sounds like a broad question. <laughs> yeah. It is. You can't apply logic to it because it is an illogical system. That's true. What you're basically saying is you're a socialist. Yeah. And, and also, if you need a primer, may I recommend the Answer Me This Jubilee, available from the Answer Me This store. Lovely job, Ollie. Yeah. Lovely job, Ollie. So, Ollie, answer me this. Mm. When the Queen dies... 
Will Will become king? And does that mean Kate Middleton will become a queen? And if so, does that make Pippa a princess? I know by your own admission you say you don't understand how the monarchy works. You've really missed how the monarchy you've, works. Well, you've, you've missed a whole generation, uh, namely Charles. Uh, He's so, first in line to the throne. Yes. So, I mean, of course it is possible that Charles will die before the Queen, but Or likely, they just can't really be bothered to become king. Because uh, he's, what, 17? I 17? don't think that's possible. I think he's... You can easily not bother to become king. The rest of us managed. I think he's quite keen <laughs> on it, though, Helen. Do you? I think he's been preparing for a while. No, I think he's been not bothering anymore. He's got his biscuit range and anyway, his hats. Anyway, you know, it's same shit, different day with the royal family, isn't it? So let's let's assume that convention happens, right. and the queen dies, and then Charles becomes king. So you And know. then he dies, and Will becomes king. Then, Is Pippa a princess? No. She's just yeah. an in-law? Yeah. It's possible that, you know, if, if she does a lot of work for charity, for example, in the next 30 years... They'd give her some honorific. She's going to get bumped up that list, isn't she? She's just got, a lady or something, though. She's not yeah. going to get, like, an amazing title. Yeah, well, she's just the sister of the woman who is married to the king. Princess Diana's brother had a title anyway because she was from like aristocratic lineage well that's the thing this is actually a, an obstacle that hasn't really come up before yeah because uh, they didn't marry commons because they didn't marry commons yeah <laughs> spare a thought for the middleton's brother james who has uh, he is a king of startups that print instagrams onto square marshmallows i Boof. really like i really like that that service it's yeah, but- really great eating your face <laughs> Before we knew that this was a Middleton wheeze, uh, Martin sent off for some boomf mars- marshmallows. Did you buy something from the Middleton Marshmallow Empire? Well, I, I didn't know it was the Middletons at the time, just but yes, that was I did. Brilliant. Yeah. I um, thought it was, really... was it. Was it good? Well, there's some marshmallows with pictures from my Instagram feed on. It's, it's terrific. It's but, a good oh, novelty. You, you said that like you wouldn't now support it because it's owned by a Middleton. That's a bit unfair, isn't it? Um, I mean, I wouldn't now support it because it was a silly novelty. But yeah, it certainly puts me off a little bit. Like when I thought, why? It, because I thought it was some young startup it guy is. rather than it is a rich he's person from a, well, related he's from a rich to the... family. But you'd probably assume that of anyone who could afford to do a marshmallow yeah, startup. Wouldn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. But there, I mean, there's rich and there's rich, right? I mean, yeah, but he's not from rich and rich. He's from sort of you know well to do big country house rich he's not from aristocratic I think when, when you when your family marries into the royal family though it kind of creates a safety net that is un, unknown elsewhere in the western world right idea yeah, but I don't think that means you should deny them your support as an entrepreneur we have now come to the end of this episode of answer me this um, and if you didn't like the way that you listened to this episode uh, let it be known that now you can listen to Answer Me This on Spotify. That's right, oh. yeah. yeah we're, 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 this is actually quite good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, add it to your party playlist. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know what you're thinking. You might think, well, hold on, I've got Spotify and I don't see a podcast tab. You Keep might not. looking. Just wait, because uh, it just suddenly appeared one day on my app. But it's not on every version of Spotify. They have been rolling it out very slowly very for a slowly, year. Very cautiously. But anyway, uh, you don't need the link, do you? You know what Spotify is. If you're on Spotify, you can now listen to Answer Me This. Just search for us. We're there. Thanks. But if not, all of the other ways work as well. Uh, but they work better if you supply questions so that we can make episodes. Yes. That is... Uh, Essential. Well, we're just tangents, aren't we, if we don't have the initial starting point uh, to bounce off from. Who wants that? Who wants a podcast of just tangents? Quite a lot of people, apparently, well, considering some of the other podcasts that are popular. <laughs> but we don't. We don't. Because we are self-hating. Uh, but anyway, uh, supply your questions via email, phone and Skype. And our contact details are on our website. Answermethispodcast.com And remember as well to go and check out Fallen London, the game, who we thank very much for sponsoring this episode of the show. Yes, failbettergames.com slash answers. Thank you for that. Please uh, rejoin us in two weeks' time for more of this. Bye! Bye.